welcome to the Spiritual and Empowerment Living with Tia podcast, a sacred place and resource for spiritually centered women who want to go from the mundane to the magical life for overcoming fear and doubt, reconnecting with the goddess, understanding messages from spirit, and uncovering your spiritual gifts so you can finally live the life you deserve. Hello, spiritual trailblazers, and welcome back. I am so excited for this episode. It's the first time I'm doing this, and I love these conversations, so I'm so interested to see where this leads. Witchy movies you need to possibly rewatch or watch with real-life witch Hillary Perry. So she is a tarot reader, witch, mentor, editor, and teacher. She has been reading tarot for over 21 years, 13 years professionally. She was the winner of the Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady, Tarot Apprentice Contest in 2011 and has taught classes on tarot and spell work at the Tarot School's Reader Studio and Bridge Closet Beltane Festival. She writes a weekly blog on tarot at at her website, tarotbyhillary.com and has been featured in Maximum Magazine and BuzzFeed. Expert topics include, but are not limited to, tarot, divination, magic, tarot and spell work, meditation, mentorship, predictions. And you can visit Hillary at tarotbyhillary.com. The link is in this episode's description. Hillary, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about talking about some of these movies. Me too. And I'm so glad that we were able to connect. Thank God, goddess, for technology. Right. <laughs> I, I think these uh, conversations are better when I have someone talking about it as with me as opposed to just a monologue. So right. thank you for that. Right. Just speaking out into the universe, not sure if anyone's listening, not sure if anything's resonating. It's complete trust fall. So yeah, I love <laughs> I love having a conversation about this instead of just like, oh, does does anyone hear me? Is that is this mic on? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. And is Mercury retrograde already had technical issues with recording, oh, no. had to re-record. So I'm just like, please. We are let tempting this go fate. Well. We are testing yes. fate here, recording <laughs> during a Mercury retrograde, but it is what it will be, so. Exactly. So the first movie, The Crucible. And so when when I think of this movie, this brings back grade school because that's when I first watched, oh, I'm sorry, not grade school. Maybe it was high school where I first mm. watched The Crucible. Mm-hmm. I, I remember being young, so maybe ninth grade. But uh, for me, I also feel like it's a coming of age movie for witches or just people who are into uh, spirituality. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, I, I mean, like the whole, the whole concept of The Crucible, the original, you know, script play that was written by Arthur Miller, this version of it, um, if we're talking about the version with Winona Ryder and Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, if you need an excuse to watch The Crucible again, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as, uh, what's his name, Proctor? Um, yeah, John yeah, Proctor. John Proctor, mm-hmm. like, it's my, it's my name, like, come on. <laughs> Yes. Come on. And like, forget about the witchiness, right? Like just, just watch it for Daniel Day Lewis. And I, oh gosh, who, who played his wife? Was it, um, oh, I'm going to forget her name, but she's incredible as well. I have, we should have brought this up before. Oh, uh, Joan. uh, Well, I I have IMDB up as a backup (laughs) here. (laughs) Joan Allen. What happened? Joan Allen? Yep, yep, Joan Allen, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I got it. I still got it. Um, <laughs> but, but like, I just remember from The Crucible, like, just the, when The Crucible was originally written, which was, yes, the setting is the Salem witch trials and, you know, accusations and hysteria, um, but it was originally written by Arthur Miller um, during the time of McCarthyism and, like, the the witch hunts of, you know, the McCarthy trials. So, you know, you're going back to, to that portion of um, American history, um, which is super interesting, but you're also getting like this sense of like, okay, who's the real criminal here? Who's Mm. the real witch? And it's like this whole concept of 
the othering. I mean, in the Salem witch trials, there were very few actual witches, if not right. any, that um, that were accused and found guilty and executed. So it's um, it's super interesting, especially when whenever you come to that movie for the first time and and thinking about what you're going through as a teenager, um, especially if you're a metaphysical person um, and you're seeing things that aren't there and you're hearing things that aren't there and all you want to do is fit in. And then you see this movie and you're just like, huh, okay, well, fitting in means accusing everyone of witchcraft in this mm. sense of the movie. So mm -hmm. um, it, it really gives you maybe a, a greater sense of who am I? Um, is it okay to not fit in? Because if fitting in mm. means this, I don't want to fit in, you know? Right, yes, exactly. So it states here in IMDb, a Selim resident attempts to frame her ex-lover's wife for being a witch in the middle of 1692 witchcraft trials. So yeah, it's very interesting. That, and I love that you brought up the point about fitting in because here it is a guy who did something he wasn't supposed to be doing mm -hmm. and his wife is taking it out on really the other woman more so than the guy to the point where she's accusing her of witchcraft and yes and I love that scene my name like yes he does suffer right. but uh when we look at it from the perspective of the the witch I mean it was his name getting tarnished but he could have moved to another village <laughs> whereas with <laughs> the witches they were gonna die um so I I think this was a really good movie for uh witches and the like to really understand that a, a lot comes with the ter territory of taking on that the name of witch or spiritualist mm. or occultist and sometimes that a lot of times it means that we aren't with the crowd right. so what could that look like and we would have to develop thick skin and all right are we going going to develop our own sisterhood or coven what have you so it's just so many layers to this movie of course the amazing acting like yes daniel Del, uh, day lewis renona wide writer and a, another uh actor or actress that really stuck out was uh the rebecca nurse she was the truly the most innocent person yes yeah <laughs> and still and it, it just goes with the saying you know damned if you do damned if you don't mm -hmm. so you might as well do what you are scared to do right do what pleases you because goodness knows people are going to talk about you whether they want whether you want them to or not and what mm -hmm. they say about you is actually none of your business right <laughs> right exactly and it, it also goes to show um how fear can really play a huge part in in society because as you were saying there really weren't many witches that were killed it was the fear of being a witch and the power like i said everything that comes with the mantle of claiming to be a witch right so it's it's so interesting yeah um, and that, that came out, when did that come out? 1996, was it? It came out, yes, 1996. Yeah, I'm, pull, I'm pulling it up now too. Um, and I remember, I think one of the one of the judges or the judge that comes in, I think it's maybe Fisher Stevens. Is that, is that right? I, I remember him being in it too. So I, and I love, I love him. I just love the acting in it. Mm -hmm. um, and just the, like, and I don't know, just the outside person coming in and how they were evaluating who's a witch, who's not a witch. And it was all purely hearsay, purely pointing figure fingers and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just the, the hysteria that comes up um, with, with the masses. The more people that got involved, the bigger and the crazier it got and the more people got accused. So mm. it, it is kind of, you know, that, that lesson of maybe you should mind your business. Maybe you should stay mm -hmm. out of things that you don't understand or that um, you weren't a part of to begin with. And there's also an excellent book, um, I think, by Stacy Schaefer, I believe, um, which talks about um, the witches and the the Salem witch trials in um, kind of a documentary style. And she, I believe, wrote a book on Cleopatra and the life of Cleopatra. So um, I think that would be a really great resource um, mm. for anyone that 
um, watches the crucible and wants to kind of know fact from fiction about the Salem witch trials of 1692. Mm-hmm. And I love when you mentioned determining a witch you know the guy comes he's trying to determine who's a witch we see that now where you know people are asking okay so what makes you a witch or how Mm -hmm. how do you define witch or okay i'm not a witch if i don't do this so it's, it's very interesting interesting even though he's not there for good intentions but now so many people are trying to understand what's a witch and I know this is another topic but then we have sort of the the gatekeepers you know so uh, it's interesting how still that conversation is going on of what makes someone a witch right right and it can and it can definitely be um one uh, a tool to understand okay well you know I see things does that make me a witch or um I use tarot cards does that mean that I'm a witch and not necessarily I think it's about labeling what what you consider yourself to be, or, you know, some people are still afraid of the term psychic, you know, and they're not comfortable calling themselves psychic. Mm -hmm. They call themselves intuitive instead. So I think it's very much about reclaiming the labels that make sense to us and also not using labels to gatekeep Mm -hmm. from people that are looking to be more spiritual or looking into witchcraft as a spirituality. Absolutely. So what would you say would be for you, your biggest takeaway from the crucible? Oof, gosh, I know so many is so many. So many. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or the first one that comes to mind. <laughs> don't don't fuck around with another man's wife. I yeah, mean, no. <laughs> or, or, or um, another man's wife or another another woman's husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and also, oh, gosh, I mean, it's it's a great parable. Um, about knowing yourself really and knowing mm. what is important to you. I mean, I keep on going back to that, that pretty much the, um, the climax of the story, which is John Proctor refusing mm-hmm. to, to submit and going basically to the, to the gallows for it and saying, because it's my name, because I'll right. never have another. Um, so it is very much about reclaiming, I think your story. Mm. Or your version of your story too, because there was a lot of that going on in the crucible where the the group of teen girls were pointing and saying this and saying that, and this person's a witch and this person bewitched me, or this person pinched me in the middle of mass or, you know, what have you. I mean, they're, they're always, they're telling their side of their story, but what's fiction, what's not, it's really, mm-hmm. it's really about determining what story you will take on yourself and um, how you will reclaim your name or clear your name. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that totally resonates with me. And as you were talking, I was thinking about the guy that they put stones on top of his chest. Giles Corey. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't give in. You're right. It's all about the story and standing up for what you believe in, even if it means the ultimate sacrifice, because yeah, our, our names mean a lot. For me, I I, I, um, I see the big society um, suppression. Uh, mm. it, we have a guy here who he, he's married and maybe he doesn't believe in a closed marriage and clearly his wife did. So, but society says, no, at that point, you know, this is the way it is. And he's giving into his urges, whereas he probably should have just been single <laughs> and been so single been single or been honest or you been, know? Or like been honest there's so exactly. many there's so many people I know that um are are in open marriages or, or in polyamorous relationships and the tenant of that the the way that that works is honesty and mm-hmm. is like is this okay with you is this not okay with you what are your boundaries what are your lines and you know I didn't expect to talk about this about the crucible but hey, we're going to go there. Um, <laughs> but but that cornerstone is on honesty. And as mm-hmm. soon and, and as soon as somebody is unhappy, that's when the honesty has to happen. And clearly, John Proctor didn't do that. Clearly, you know, he he wasn't happy with his wife. So he was, you know, it takes two, you know, right. it wasn't just mm-hmm. this, this, this 
teenage girl. Let's let's be honest here. Right. Abigail, who starts up the whole accusations and, um, you know, is accused of being a witch and accused of being a temper temptress or a seductress. She's a girl. You know, like this is the John Proctor's wife or Goody Proctor, I believe they call her. Um, Mm -hmm. She's she's taking out her ire on this this girl. Right. Yeah. So when she should have been much more angry about at her husband and she was. Yeah. But (laughs) that's where you're supposed to be directing your anger, you know, (laughs) at least most of it. Yeah. Not some little girl. So it's definitely not a societal pressures and. And uh, what society says that um, was really a big thing for me in that movie. Like, man, the fact that she directed a lot of her anger towards, you know, Abigail and her husband spoke volumes. Right. So speaking of uh, love, now we get into like more of a happier (laughs) love here. (laughs) Practical magic. Oh, man. So according to IMDb. It has here two witch sisters raised by their eccentric aunts in a small town face closed-minded prejudice and a curse which threatens to prevent them ever finding lasting love. (laughs) That's such a simplified version of uh, (laughs) what practical magic is to many of my witch friends, you know, because we, gosh, we were raised on this stuff between like the craft and practical, practical magic. Right. It turned us into witches. I just wanted to be, I wanted to be um, Sally Owens so, so badly. I kept on blowing on unlit candles and trying to <laughs> yes. stir my coffee without touching it right. so many times. <laughs> um, but, but really like that whole, the concept of curses in this movie is just so amazing and so close i think to the truth of what magic is what curses is or what curses curses are you know like you have mm-hmm. to um what's what's his name i cannot uh, gary gary hallett the uh played by um oh, oh gosh, uh, aiden a- quinn a- aiden quinn mm-hmm. yeah um where he says you know like you have to believe in curses for them to work and i don't you know mm-hmm. like a spoiler alert for <laughs> that's, a, that's a little <laughs> bit more towards the end of the movie but um honestly like the ways to break curses um in real witchcraft is to laugh at them is to you know don't give them the power don't give them the power because the more that you give in energy to a situation, the more that it grows, the more that it can hold power over you. And these poor, these poor girls, you know, the, mm. the sisters, um, Sally and Jillian, you know, like they've been raised to fear this curse and they've been mm. raised to, to think, okay, this curse is going to take away everyone and anything that I'll ever love, you know, and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, really, you know, like Sally does her Amas Verite spell about calling her true love to her. And she makes up all of these qualities that she doesn't think could possibly exist so that she saves herself from love because she knows that it's a powerful, dangerous thing. And then of course her sister goes in the opposite direction (laughs) and like runs toward it because she can't wait to fall in love. So Um, it, it has so many wonderful themes about love and sisterhood and family and forgiveness and curses and, you know, trusting yourself and trusting your intuition. Like when, when the phone rings and she knows it's her sister on the other end, you know, Mm. like I've, I've had that experience where, you know, you have that connection with someone and you know that when they're going to call, and this is of course before caller ID. So (laughs) I don't know. Like, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Practical Magic. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It, it is. It's it's one of my, my fav- favorite movies of all time. And it's funny because I, I remember being a kid and a young adult thinking that love movies are corny. But it's that I love love movies with a flair of magic. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she, uh, Sally, I identify with Sally as well had uh, put in her spell you know one green eye one blue eye I always wanted the guy with two different color eyes and I (laughs) thought that was just so funny I'm like okay this is most definitely my movie and again we we also see the you know society the reason why well I don't want to give up too much but part of the reason why that 
curse exists is because it's tied into uh, forbidden love, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so uh, pleasing to see women not necessarily denounce their power altogether. Like I know Sally's trying not to really use her powers too much because right. of everything she that wants happened. to fit in she wants, she to, wants fit to fit in. in and it's just not working <laughs> <laughs> but i i love that they were given that space in the movie to grow and like you said the sisterhood and and the uh that unconditional love that happens there but still allowing everyone to be their own agency mm-hmm. but still come together i think that's just so beautiful Yes, yes. And especially like, there's, there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from, you know, Jillian from her from from her relationship with uh, uh, Jimmy Angelo, and, you know, like that seductive quality where there's a connection there, but you know that this person is trouble. Mm-hmm. And you know that this person is not right for you. And she she needs to escape from that. Now, you know, I wouldn't condone many of the things that these two sisters do in the, Mm -hmm. in the movie. Um, But, (laughs) but I mean, it really is a cautionary tale for, for people that fall head over heels in love and have that connection with someone, you know, like, especially during this time of year, we are recording this in February, you know, um, a lot of holidays happen in February, but you know, Mm -hmm. Valentine's day is one of them. And I have, as a tarot reader, I have a lot of clients coming to me and asking me about soulmates or asking me about love. And it's just like, I, I get very cautious when it comes to those kind of connections because a soulmate it, and that concept of twin flames or that attraction, it, it really, Um, causes people to make a lot of excuses for bad behavior and sometimes Mm. abusive behavior as well. So we want to be very careful when we talk about these kind of connections, especially if the connection was brought about by magical means. Like you don't Mm. want to do that because if you bring someone into your life through magic, you're probably going to have to take that person out of your life through magic too, you know? (laughs) That's a a great point. So throughout your practice, do you think that the movies sometimes give people a warped view yes and okay yeah mm-hmm. absolutely I mean and and I mean it's not just and it's not just magical movies either and it's not just witchcraft movies it's a lot it's a lot of movies especially a lot of love movies you know like oh everything works out in the end or you know the final scene of the movie is the two main characters getting married and it's just like okay well now what you know, like that's not a, that's not a guarantee of anything, you know, like when people get divorced, people's hearts change, you know, people evolve and, um, you know, it's not, it's not a destination, you know, finding, finding that person is not a destination. That's when the journey really mm. begins. True. And I think that's what makes this movie so unique is that it's not that picture perfect ending. It's it's pretty much open-ended, and I like that. It doesn't have to be open-ended for a part two. It's just open-ended. Right. You don't see, you don't see a wedding at the end of it. <laughs> you see them jumping <laughs> right. off of a roof. Uh, again, spoiler alert. But, <laughs> <laughs> but accepting who they are completely now. Right. Um, and there was something else I was going to say about this movie. And the – oh, yeah. So also – I like that there were no rules in the way. For example, the Midnight Margaritas. Uh, I love that because, well, one, I'm like, okay, definitely that's going to be something I do as I get older. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but, but also I, I like that because so many times our lives can be rigid and, and for, for various reasons, our upbringing, you know, a lot of us, we have baby boomer parents who had depression era parents, you know, so it's it's a lot you know this is what you eat for breakfast this is what you eat for dinner we don't do that once you get to a certain age you stop doing these things so I like that the aunts were you know slipping the kids you know like different things chocolates in the morning you know (laughs) and they had them in like margaritas and they're dancing they're having fun so it's just like you know what yeah there are rules like you know you don't want to go rob someone right but right really it's there are no rules. You want to make a margarita at midnight and dance your heart out, do it. 
And that's a spell too, you know, yeah. like I, I don't think people really realize like, it's just like, oh, witchcraft with blenders. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, um, please. <laughs> like we don't, we don't just have mortars and pestles, even though I have a collection of mortars and pestles just because <laughs> I love, I love them. Um, and I use them, but you know, like there's nothing to say, like, I really love that you brought that up. It's about writing our own rules. It's about learning the rules of magic. Yes. But also learning when to break them and learning when to personalize them as well. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's another big, that's another big thing in this movie is they're, they're sitting around like during that midnight margarita scene when they're um, reading each other's fortunes or Jillian's reading the palms, um, you know, like they're, they don't have a book. You know, there's not like Jillian's not sitting there, you know, with a book in one hand and then the palm in the other hand, you know, like she's mm. reading intuitively. She's she's going with her feelings. Um, and, and I think when you personalize your magic, that's when it can be even more powerful. And actually, I don't want to spoil it, like go back and watch it. But um, one of the climaxes of this movie is they're doing everything right in the big spell that they have to do at the end of the movie, they're doing everything right and everything right is not working. And finally, mm. Sally just throws up her hands and says like, all right, get everybody back in the circle. We're doing things my way now. And that ends up being the thing that breaks the curse. Mm. Yes, you're right, you're right. And I, I will say before I ask you your biggest takeaway is that this movie also reminds me, reminds me of the saying, there's a little bit of witch in all of us because yep. they got the ladies together who were a little bit apprehensive. Like, I don't know, but there was something in them that wanted to be part of something that they felt was good and right. Right. And a little bit mysterious. So right. uh, I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I love, and I love that part, part where they're all called together and they use the phone tree and someone brings a dust buster because they don't have a broom. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, whatever works. Like they there you go. Work, you know? So, so your biggest takeaway from Practical Magic? Oh gosh! Besides the fact that I just love this movie, I'll I'll rewatch yeah. it. It doesn't even. It, it's like one of my comfort movies. I'll rewatch <laughs> it whenever I'm feeling a little sad or a little like out of sorts. I'll just take it and I'll mm -hmm. watch it. <laughs> and then my husband's just like, "Are you watching that again?" And I'm just like, "Just don't judge me. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. Leave me alone with my with my Owen sisters. I'll be fine." Um. But but I think it is about um, another quote from the movie. You can't you can't practice magic while also um, looking down your nose at it, which is something mm -hmm. that Sally has to come to understand. Where she's running, she's running from herself. You know, she's running about from who she is and her natural talents. And like Jillian says it, she's like, all of my life, I've wanted to have even half of your gifts. Like you're mm. wasting yourself. And she gets so angry with that because that is her choice. It's her choice to do with mm. her life what she will. But it is, you know, something that, she comes to realize is true that she's not being authentic to herself that she is mm -hmm. not you know truly embracing who she is so um it is a, a movie about like these these witches that um have this kind of ancestral line um going back all the way to uh, salem all the way to um to the hangings and there's actually a very funny quote from the beginning of the movie where you know one of the aunts says well you know it didn't help out that most of most of the wives of the of the husbands were on the hanging committee you know so, yeah um but but it is about like you might have lineage but also you don't have to have a lineage in order to to be a witch or to be spiritual because at the end of the movie you know those those suburban housewives are all coming together for a common cause and they're they're embracing that side of themselves that was taboo that was frowned upon or that they mm. were frowning upon them upon themselves for or frowning upon sally and jillian for for having these gifts so mm. For uh, me, I love the aspect of love, how it plays such a strong role in the movie, the love of family, mm. the the love for love, then the love of wanting to 
protect yourself from love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that gradual love that happened when she realized, oh my God, you have one green eye, one blue eye. And it was just so natural. And how he fell in love, or naturally, let me click back a second after you get his name, how, um, what was the mm-hmm. officer's name? Fell in love with Sally and be, really because he was reading her notes. And I'm just thinking, that's the ancient form at this point, writing a love letter. And right. I was just thinking, like, how cool is it to get back to some of that, you know, that expressiveness, right. you know? So I, I really, for me, it was just that whole aspect of the different layers of love and the natural things that happen along the process. Yes, absolutely. I could, I could keep going on Practical Magic alone, but I know we have more movies to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I was just like, oh, I know I had to catch myself because this is such a great movie. Mm-hmm. So this is the one you recommended, which I love, and, and I actually rewatched it, uh, The Witches of Eastwick. And this is yes. the one from 1987. Yes. Three single women in a picturesque village have their wishes granted at a cost when a mysterious and flamboyant man arrives in their lives. Yeah, played by Jack Nicholson in a yeah, very yeah. iconic role. Just <laughs> this entire movie, and I there there are certain parts of this movie that I cannot rewatch. Like I have to fast forward through it. Like the the cherry scene, I'm I I, I can't I can't watch it. It's it's gross. Yeah. If you have if you have a very strong gag reflex, like just fast forward through that scene. Just oh god goodness. <laughs> awful um but i i love this movie because it can really illustrate um where these misconceptions of witchcraft come from um like i like spoiler jack nicholson i I, gee i wonder who he's playing in this movie i mean yes the character (laughs) yes the character's name is Daryl Van Horn and um, they they have trouble you know remembering his name at first when he comes into town and then as soon as someone remembers his full name that's when um, the the goody two shoes of the town ends up you know falling down a staircase and you know nearly breaking her neck um, and she's fabulous in this movie and I think they bring her back for. Um, uh, I think they br- brought her back for one of the remakes of this movie or mm. some kind of version of this movie. Um, but, but that whole concept of witches and the devil, you know, which, which we know is not true, but I still have to deal with this conception or this misconception of, oh, well, that means you worship the devil. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Guess again. <laughs> no. <laughs> And, and, and I find it very interesting at the beginning of the movie how um, they're all so sick of the small town and there's no eligible men and they're all terrible or they're all getting out of relationships or, or, or divorced. And they're just like, wouldn't it be interesting if someone new came into town and they, they describe their ideal man and then they're not specific in what they're <laughs> wishing for and it ends up all being the same person. So that, that, is, that is a truism of magic um, wrapped up in a false-ism <laughs> that, we, that we worship the devil. We do not. So, Right. And some of the other uh, actress or actors, actresses in here are Cher, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer. What, what, one of the things I loved about this movie, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's just so ridiculous how Jack Nicholson is just saying like, I want to fuck you. And I'm just like, yeah. he is so direct with it. And then Cher goes off. Oh, she's like, you're not attractive. You're not charming. You're not this, but, but okay. still ends up having sex with him because it's that raw energy directness that is in all of us. But again, I'm just constantly seeing this, how society plays a part in the themes of all these movies, you know? And one of the reasons why, the three ladies share Susan and Michelle. Well, I should call them by their character name: Alexandra, Alexandra, Jane, Alexandra, Jane, Jane Su- Suki. Suki. Yes. The reason why they were just so over it because, as you were saying, the guys were pretty much the same. They were yep. horrible, no good, you know, cookie cutter, and they wanted that rawness, that raw energy. That even just going to talk a little bit about goddesses. You know, some goddesses have that raw 
energy, Freya, you know, and then you have ones mm-hmm. that are a little bit softer, like Kuan Yin. And they are the women that want that more of that raw, direct energy. But again, society was kind of numbing them to the point that they just got finally tired of it. And they were ready to wake up. And that also leads to manifestation. Right. <laughs> they right. weren't quite specific, but they kind of sort of got the guy they wanted. They got so what they wanted. In <laughs> they got what they wanted. I just, I had to, I had to look up that quote that Cher or, or Alex says to that character. <laughs> you are the most unattractive man I have ever met in my entire life. Um, you've demonstrated every loathsome characteristic of the male personality and even discovered a few new ones. You are physically repulsive intellectually retarded you're morbidly reprehensible vulgar insensitive selfish stupid you have no taste a lousy sense of humor and you smell you're not even interesting enough to make me sick so you know the next time you have uh someone in your life um that you're just like go on get gone (laughs) remember this quote from uh Cher's character in the witches of eastwick (laughs) but then she ends up uh going to bed with him anyway so you know I don't know if it's the um, the writing, if that's just scripted to happen, or if it's just Jack Nicholson. You know, there's something about Jack Nicholson. There's something about Jack Nicholson. I think there's something about people who live uh, unapologetically, mm-hmm. right or wrong. And, and and when I say wrong, I don't mean like they go on a killing spree wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, they were drinking and cussing. Oh my gosh, you know, like that type of. Uh, wrong uh even dancing some people like oh my gosh they were dancing Mm -hmm. so uh there is something to be said about that and I think it's just that raw energy of this is who I am and because I claim all of this no one can really step inside my bubble here you know like this is my world and I, I think that's where that attraction comes from because we all want to live our truth and show up as our true selves but Again, we got to get over that society barrier, among other things. Right, right, exactly. And I mean, there's some there's some really great points in this movie too about, um, I guess, kitchen witchcraft or mm. folk magic that they do bring into it, um, which can be true. Like the wax poppet that they make together um, when they're when they're ready or they've realized who Daryl Van Horn actually is, and that they they need to get rid of him basically um but i think i just really love this movie for the strength of the three female leads mm-hmm. um that that they're 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 friends but they're almost sisters in a way that their own families didn't provide for them you mm-hmm. have um Suki who um is overwhelmed and has had so many kids we don't i don't even know how many kids she has seven perhaps. Um, But they're all, they all make, they all create, they've created this family. Um, And they end up adding Daryl to their family. And they're all living in this, this mansion together. And it's like, it's what works for them. And they're completely happy with him, um, despite what other people are saying, despite what the townsfolk are saying, you know, like, they're like, this is my family. You know, this is like, I don't care right or wrong. Like, this is my family. These are the people that I love. And these are the people that I will protect and be there for. So in a way, it is a very, I know it sounds weird, but it can be um, a really strong portrayal of if your family or your biological family isn't there for you or hasn't been there for you, there's no reason that your friends can't be a family or that you can't find Mm -hmm. your heart family or create your own family. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and just as you were saying, they it really, I, I got the feeling too, that they really were more like sisters than, than friends. And instead of attacking each other, like, oh my gosh, like, how could you be with the same guy? Because he really did, in his twisted way, charm them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just like, it's him. <laughs> Right. Right. And notice they weren't, they didn't, they didn't really argue about it. They weren't fighting over him in any way. Like maybe, maybe um, at first there was a little Mm -hmm. bit of um, competition, but I think that again, like what you were saying about society, when we were talking about um, the crucible, you know, like societally we're taught to fight over mm. resources to fight over men or women or who whoever or, or whatever love interests that we have um and they really they might have done it at first but 
you know, within, within a few scenes or when within a collage or montage, Mm -hmm. um, they become a family and there is no fighting over this one man. Mm -hmm. So your biggest takeaway from Witches of Eastwick. Ooh, um, I was, I was thinking about this before we started recording, um, because there is again, so many in this, but Mm. what I think the witches of Eastwick really teaches us is that the power doesn't come from somebody else. It comes from within us. Like Mm. they brought him to that town. They brought him to Eastwick and they took him out of Eastwick, you know, Mm. like the power wasn't inherent to him. Like all of these things started to happen because they brought him in and because he was in Eastwick, but they're the ones that got him there. So, and, and once they realized their own power and that it's inherent to them, they realize it, it wasn't coming from him at all. They gave him that power. It was from them. Yes. And I was trying to find, I was trying to Google this quote because Jack Nicholson talks about like in, in his, again, crazy way, because he's a devil. He talks about praising women Yes. Do you do you remember? I'm trying to find this. Um, I'm just going to mute myself really quickly and see if I can. Um, I've got the quote. Oh, you, oh, you have the quote. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. great. <laughs> do you have that quote where he's like praising women? Um, well, there's saying? yeah, there's there's two. Um, there there's a couple of times he does it a couple of times in the movie. He says like I like women, I admire them, but if you want me to treat you like a dumb twit, I will. You know, like. Um, Oh gosh, but it's like I see money I see men running around trying to put their dicks into everything, trying to make something happen, but it's women who are the source, the only power. Nature, birth, rebirth. Cliche, cliche sure, but true. So he yes. says that and then he says, um, again one of the climaxes of the movie do you think god knew what he was doing when he created woman (laughs) Mm. (laughs) was it was it a mistake like tidal waves earthquakes floods but i think i think the quote that you were looking for is probably the first one it is women who are the Mm -hmm. source yes that was one of my biggest takeaways because they reclaimed their power they had that sisterhood, just as you were saying, they brought them in there, they took them out, yep. <laughs> you know, and, and they created their, their own environment, their own lives, you know, so that was my biggest takeaway is that we can really create what we want in our lives, we can really bring in what we want into our lives, and it, it, it's not so much where, where we are at at mm-hmm. times and and, mm-hmm. and I get that you know everybody's uh has a different uh living circumstance but we have so much power and I like that even though he's the devil and he has all this you know power too he's like no 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 it's the women it's the women yeah absolutely um and another like secondary point about the witches of Eastwick is is just because someone is attractive and sometimes sometimes that magnetic quality that doesn't mean that person is good for you like, hello, he's the devil. <laughs> right. You can just be horny. So double check. Yes. <laughs> double check. <laughs> Which leads me to the craft. Oh, boy. A, a newcomer Catholic prep high school falls in with, falls, I can't even read right now, falls in <laughs> with a trio of outcast teenage girls who practice witchcraft and they soon conjure up various spells and curses against those who anger them. Yes. This is the one from 1996. Yes. Not the new one. Not the new one. Not the new one. I haven't, I haven't seen the new one yet. I don't, I don't know if I will because um, there, there are so many people that I know that are practicing witches now that got into witchcraft because of this movie. And Mm. I know it seems silly and I know it seems cliche and, and for definite, there is a lot of Hollywood glamour, glamorizing and misconceptions going on in this movie. Um, But there are some kernels of truth in it as well. Mm. Um, And they did have, I believe a um, witchcraft expert on the set to, Mm -hmm. to run run things past but this movie it's just it's just campy it's fun it's about being the outcast it's about taking back power when you are the outcast um Mm. and yeah just like i think one of the taglines is like she has the power or they have the power you know like for the when they were promoting the movie originally Mm. and also i can see it here there's the the photo 
Uh, welcome, welcome to the welcome wishing to hour. The witching hour. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Um, and and also um, the 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 actress who plays Rochelle, Rachel True, she just came out with the tarot deck. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know you've you've got some you've you've got some not necessarily typecasting going on, but you have people that are experts that have um, you know unusual practices or unusual hobbies like tarot um, actually in this movie. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little bit sad that there was no appearance of the tarot really in the craft, but you know it's the craft, not the tarot reader. <sighs> <laughs> But um, yeah, just like the, the whole concept of, so Sarah is the newcomer into the new school and she meets uh, Nancy, Bonnie and Rochelle and they become a coven of four. And um, you have uh, Bonnie's character. Um, they're, they're all like very, it's a very ensemble cast, but each of the different characters have their own issues that they're going through. Mm-hmm. And then together they kind of figure out how to, address those issues, whether it's racism, whether Mm -hmm. it's um, learning to love oneself after a horrific fire and having scars, um, whether it's um, recovering from a suicide attempt or depression, um, whether it's being white trash in the case of Nancy and living in a trailer and being like kind of embarrassed by their upbringing or their situation. Like they all have different problems, but they all come together to try and solve those problems using witchcraft. And they don't start doing that at first. Like when you, you, when you see them in the movie at first, they're just going out and communing with nature. They're not really asking Mm -hmm. for much until they start asking for more. Mm. So it's it's interesting to see the evolution of, you know, just being being reverent and being wanting to be in nature and then asking for more and more and more and then having it all taken away because they abuse their gifts or they abuse mm. their powers. So Yeah, so many great points. I love <clears throat> excuse me, I love the dynamics of each character and I like that because it's showing a blend of the mundane and I'm I'm just saying the mundane as, as just, just separate from magical Mm -hmm. Uh, because what they're going through really isn't mundane, but it's so easy to want to go right into magic and do all this stuff and forget about everything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you said it didn't start off like that right away, which is true. I remember the one scene where uh, Rachel True's character, Rochelle, she had, uh, what was it? Um, she had curly hair and, and the one girl goes, oh, this must be one of Rochelle's naps. And I was like, oh. oh, oh, like I felt that, you know? So again, you got high school setting. And so you got girls who are discovering themselves, they're going through things. And along comes this magical thing that's really within all of us anyway. And now the true exploration begins, but first they had to deal with, you know, the the mundane stuff how can they possibly dive into their magic if they're going through these things that they're trying to address and that's where we see some of the abuse happen is because you know some people think others are doing better but they're dealing with their own stuff too and sometimes you don't recognize or or you think you start to weigh who who's doing worse right. and 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 then now you got a riff in in the group mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly and um i i just think it's very interesting about the concept of power and the concept of magic. Notice how they, they were a coven of three before um, before Sarah comes along. Mm-hmm. And you see Bonnie leaning up against the lockers, looking at the farmer's almanac, basically, and saying, oh, well, you know, today is pretending, portending or predicting a, a day of balance. Um, perhaps, perhaps we'll find our fourth, you know, like they're, they're Mm -hmm. like, that's how the movie begins. They're looking for their fourth person because they feel like they have to have a fourth person in order to do real spells and everything that they've been doing up until that point has not been working because they don't have their fourth. They don't have a representation of, of all four elements, earth, air, fire, and water. Um, well, you know, it can, it can be about balance. That's true, but for them to have that concept of we're not complete you know we need to have this 
in order to do our magic, that's kind of faulty. Like that's right. like saying I can't cast a spell because I don't have this one ingredient. You know, right. like that's more of an excuse because the real spell, the real magic is within you. Right. Right. Even if you are a solitary practitioner and you want to work with the element, you would have incense, you'll have a bowl of water. Like you would you would find a way to have the elements there. You wouldn't say, oh, I don't have three other people. So right. <laughs> like anything really can represent an element or right. a substitute for it. So, yeah, that's definitely something that. It's Hollywood. Yeah. And they also, and they give, and they give the power away. As soon as Sarah shows up, they're just like, you're making it happen. It's you, it's you. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I, it's not, it's not like she is very, um, she is accepting, but also not accepting of her own inherent magic. And, you know, there's a scene where, um, where they call her a natural witch because she says it's always getting messed up. You know, I, mm -hmm. I picture rain and then a pipe bursts or, you know, I, um, I want it to be quiet and then I go deaf for three days straight, you know, mm -hmm. like, and these are very actual real life examples of what can happen if your intention is that powerful. And this is actually something that I, I teach when I teach spell casting and when I teach tarot for spell casting is, there are three elements of any spell. There is the intention, there is the vehicle, and there is the energy. The intention is the most important thing. Sometimes if you're very adept at spell casting, intention is all you really need. So you need to mm -hmm. make that intention a good one. Otherwise, things can start happening without sage, without incense, without a magic wand, <laughs> yeah. without a without a vehicle or a poppet or a candle, you know, because your intention is so strong, it'll just the spell will just go on its own. So that's an example or like a, a fictionalized example, but I've had those kinds of things happen to me where I've had an intention that's really strong. So it's not necessarily that Sarah is a natural witch. It's just she's very in tune with her intentions, but she always mentions it goes wrong. So she needs to be able to focus it. But right. it, it, it doesn't come until the end of the movie where she's really in tune with all that she is, you know, and she's tapped into her full power because up until then she's really denying it. You know, mm -hmm. it's like this, this worst version of humbleness I've ever seen, you know, where <laughs> she's just like, no, no, it's not me. It's not me because to some degree it isn't her. It is the power that, you know, her three coven sisters have given to her. When, as soon as she showed up and, you know, tipped that pencil <laughs> and moved that pencil around on the desk and it's just like, ooh, powerful, you know, like use your, use your witchcraft for something other than that. <laughs> right. No, yeah, exactly. And I love that there was a, a well thought out timeline because if she had got all her powers in the middle of the movie, I think it would have cheapened the movie because in, in this path, there's constant growth. And, you know, we have good days, we have bad days. And again, it's, it's one of the things like, yeah, I'm still learning. I do one thing and something else happens. I don't completely get it. So, and of course, you know, they're, they go to, you know, different e events and, you know, it, people, I don't want to give up too much, even though this movie been People out get forever. hurt. People, people get, get hurt. hurt. People get upset. People get hurt. And um, there's that, that coming together or a self-awareness at the end that's just like, wait a minute, you guys wanted me in the coven. I don't even need you guys. Right. <laughs> you know, and when you come to that point when you realize who you don't need, you know, and it, it was a little bit, um, even though this wasn't their attention, a little bit abusive to say, oh yeah, okay, here's our power now. You, you do something with it, you make us whole. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out myself here. Right. So it's, they, they wanted to welcome her, but it was almost like a conditional love. Like we want you in our circle because we think you could do something for, for us, us. Been trying to do for so long. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and she said, and um, Sarah comes to that realization where, you know, as soon as she disagrees with them, it, it becomes this shunning almost mm -hmm. where it's just like, you know, if a witch betrayed her coven, they would kill her, you know? And it's just like this, this, sisterhood that she thought she had um she disagreed with them one time and then all of a sudden they they turned on her and um it it was very much a cautionary tale of you know like what 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 have you done for me lately 
almost mm-hmm. in a in a very witchy way. And I, I I always love the scenes where they go back to um the witchcraft shop, um, where I believe her name is Lyria. Um, who who has all of the lessons, you know, and they're not really heeding her because it's all fun and glamorous and everything. And she was just like, and then Sarah brings it up later, like, what what about balance? What remember what she said about balance? And they're just like, you know, I've I've been a monster. I'm I'm having fun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you don't like that. I'm having fun. And it's just like there's nothing wrong with having fun. But you know, you go from someone in the case of Bonnie, who's completely shy and covering up her entire body because of her scars to becoming Mm -hmm. a total narcissist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it very much is um, power can bring out your inherent personality or what you already had inside of you. It doesn't change who you were to begin with. Really? Absolutely. And also, it, it reminds me, of, especially when you're just starting out and you have your tarot cards, you go somewhere and people want you to read for them all the time. All the time. And one time you don't want to do it and it's like you're the most horrible, no good, very bad person ever to walk the face of the earth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's like that. Yes. Like my heart went out to Sarah sometimes because it's like she, you know, she she didn't ask for that. You know, she she recognizes that she has some gifts that she's like, all right, yeah, I just I say this and then I go deaf for three days. And right. it's, it's in, in real life, you know, you're not obligated <laughs> right. to, to do this, you know, right. so that's, right. that's another thing. And, and you, I mean, it is a really wonderful lesson in, in boundaries, you know, especially when that happens to you, you kind of want to set up your boundaries before that happens to you because you're going to lose friendships because of it. Like I, mm. I didn't do that. And I lost one of my best friends from childhood because she would always want me to read her cards and we would go out to dinner or go out for drinks and dinner. And then she would inevitably within five minutes of us sitting down, did you bring your cards with you? Yep. And it's just like, I, I want to know about your life. I want to be your friend. I don't want to be like this. It's part of the reason why I don't really read a lot for my friends anymore. Or if my friends are our readers or our witches, they understand that there is a delineation there and they will, they will book a reading just like everybody mm-hmm. else, you know? Right. So yeah, the craft can be a, a great movie to watch when, um, when, you know, you feel like everyone's trying to take a piece out of you or <laughs> get something out of you and bring, bringing that power back to yourself, you know, and setting those boundaries. Absolutely. Your biggest takeaway. I know there, there are many. It's hard. <laughs> oh, gosh. For, for the craft, um, intention is everything, really. Mm. Intention is everything. It is, it is the, um, the real driver for any spell. So, and, and also be care- being careful what you wish for. Because I mm. think Sarah probably put out that intention before she moved, that she wanted, she wanted like-minded people. She wanted yeah. to be seen. She wanted to be loved as well. Mm-hmm. We we have only glimpses of um, of her depression and mm-hmm. of her background, um, but you don't you don't see any past scenes from Sarah's previous life before right. she moved. Um, the only thing that you see is just Sarah herself alone. So we have to come to assume that she she invited this group of girls into her life too, you know? So just mm. be, be careful, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> now I'm even wondering if maybe she was at a previous high school and some of the things she was doing, her magic was going wrong and they had to move. And she said, you know, I want to move to a place where I'll be accepted, you know, and but it kind of went south. Right. Uh, so for, for me, I, I loved the scene where they were at the ocean. Mm. And, and I think it was Nancy who called the watchtowers. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love that you didn't see the watchtowers or I think she also said like him, like I can feel him. I'm, I'm glad that you didn't see it. You yes. just, you, you saw the, you, you saw the end result and you felt what she felt because that's, that's accurate. Like, yeah, you do see from time to time, but the magic, you, you'll see the end result. Right. You'll feel it, you'll embrace it. And, and 
again, as you were saying earlier, you gotta be careful what you wish for. When you start to be greedy and not uh, be responsible with it, then it goes south. But just that initial, and I say that because, you know, the animal, but yes. um, j- just that initial connection with the ocean and they're outside and, you know, she's, she's connecting with the watchtower. I'm like, yes, that, that's actually the main reason why I was like, I want to work with watchtowers. Not then because I didn't understand it, but later on when I was uh, studying spirituality and it just kind of brought back that memory. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And now I love it. And, and um, there are some, like, this is the reason why I love um, looking up movie trivia on um, internet movie database where we're using to uh, refresh our memory for some of the actor names or the character names. Um, there is a story in the trivia section of For the Craft where that particular scene, um, they had to return, they had to um, refilm that or, or do reshoots on that because the fictional god you know, that they're calling to sounds very, very close to Mananon, the Gaelic god of the sea. Mm. so and they were using that's that's real terminology for for listeners um we 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 will sometimes call the quarters um using hails of the powers of the watchtowers of the west of water of of emotion of intuition of flow you know hail and welcome that's that's a real quarter calling or can be um but the witch consultant there, there, there's, there was fog. There was, um, there was the real, the real language. And then um, when Nancy invokes Manon, um, there was a flock of bats that hovered over the set. The tide rose dramatically. Um, <laughs> the candles went out um, and Manon sounds very close to Manon, God of the sea. So Every time and every time the girls started the ceremony and only when they would start the ceremony, the waves would start coming up tremendously fast. Wow. And then, that's and then, amazing. and that's um, coming from the witch consultant, Pat Devon and the director, Andrew Fleming. They said, um, he said, right at when Nancy says her line, Manon, fill me right at that exact moment, we lost power. Wow. That is so, interesting. So the, 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 the things that you feel when you watch that scene, it's, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there wasn't lightning. I'm sure that lightning was edited in, in mm-hmm. but, but the, the, the wind, the waves like that, that came about because they were using the real language. They were wow. using the real words. So be careful and be careful when you're working with deities as well, you know, mm-hmm. like don't, don't presume (laughs) to to call them to order them around to invoke them like you are welcoming them you are asking them to work with you you are not ordering them around because they will they will shake you like a bull (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't don't mess with deity um especially if you're um if you have a personal connection with the deity or if you're in training to be a priest or priestess of that deity like do not order them around they don't like that they want to work with you they don't like being ordered around and you shouldn't like that's very presumptuous so Mm -hmm. absolutely (laughs) what a great conversation (laughs) yeah we can keep um, going. <laughs> I know, right? I can keep keep going. Well, this is part one. So, you know, we have more movies, of course, to discuss. But um, I just want to say, you know, thank you for this, because there are definitely some overarching themes with these movies, you know, witchcraft movies, and they do play uh, pretty, I don't want to say intricate, but they're they're in the the witchy community there's something to be said about it because they definitely influence people um from time to time but also it gives people a glimpse into our paths uh even though some of it is a little bit glamorized for hollywood but uh it's pretty cool that these movies are still a thing 20 some odd years later 30 some odd years later so thank you for coming on and having this conversation with me Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. And I, I can't wait to talk about more witchy movies and sorting fact from fiction or sometimes just celebrating how cheesy <laughs> or how <laughs> yeah. how right or how wrong they can be. 
Yes, absolutely. Anything else you would like to say about the movies um, and any other um, things you want to talk about, how people can reach you and so forth? Oh, well, you can just reach me at my website, tarotbyhillary.com. That's Hillary with one L. Uh, if you put in two L's, you're going to find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love to talk about these topics, not just tarot, um, witchcraft, divination, what's right, what's wrong. And you know, these, that's the reason why I do these podcasts. It's, it's super, super fun. And I also have a podcast as well that I do with two other tarot readers. It's called Card Slingers Coast to Coast. Um, and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. Thank you so much. And as a recap, that was the Crucible, Practical Magic, the Witches of Eastwick, and the craft. And of course, these are the older ones. So from the 80s and <laughs> the early 90s, 90s, <laughs> the crucible from 96, practical magic from 87, or excuse me, 97. I was thinking of Eastwick. <laughs> um, from 98, which is a Eastwick. 87. <laughs> 87. Yeah. <laughs> and the craft from 90, 96 was a good year, huh? For yeah. Uh, too, too. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I am sending everyone listening so many blessings. I am rooting for you as always. Remember to be kind to yourself. Please share this episode with someone who needs to watch or rewatch these movies. Until next time. As always, Spiritual Trailblazer, thank you for tuning in. Do make sure to stop by and visit me at tiamariejohnson.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Last but not least, be kind to yourself. I'm rooting for you and I'm sending you so many blessings. Until next time.